Welcome to a special Sunday night recorded edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. I'm Jeff Sharon, along with Eric Lopez. Elo, even though we are down towards the very end, we have a lot to talk about. And uh, wow, what a weekend for UCF baseball, huh? A championship weekend. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Jeff. Um, I still kind of seem surreal to me. And it sounds weird to say that, considering I did predict it last week on the episode. (laughs) But uh, it's just surreal to say UCF baseball, regular season champions. Realize, Jeff, the last time we got to say that, we both were students. 2004, Atlantic Sun. Yep. (laughs) How crazy is that? Seems like it's, I mean, it's, it's been... It's been a long time, man. It really, at 13 years. Think about what's happened since then. Yeah. UCF Athletics as a whole was in the A-Sun. They moved, uh, now they were in the A-Sun. And then if I remember correctly, that They had fall, one more year in the A-Sun. Well, and they also had in the MAC. They yeah. were in the MAC in football, moved to Conference USA, and then since then moved to the American Conference. UCF has won a Fiesta Bowl since then. They've won a Liberty Bowl. Uh, it's 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 just kind of crazy uh, what's transpired since then. Yeah. The NCAA, UCF basketball made the NCAA tournament. Softball. Softball had not been to an NCAA tournament yet at that point. Since then, they've been to like seven or eight, whatever. I lost track. Uh, it's just kind of crazy how long ago that has been because I remember, Jeff, and I don't know how you felt when – I arrived on campus, you know, back then. I thought this was going to be, a, this was a baseball school. I happened to be around in 2001 when Jay Bergman, or, you know, his best team he's had at UCF, who should have probably, uh, with the right circumstances, hosted. Instead, they were a number one overall seed. They got sent to South Carolina with Justin Pope and Jason Arnold. But I always thought, wow, UCF's going to be a base as a baseball school, kind of like LSU is, you know, where football is popular, but they're, they have success in baseball. And ever since that, you know, 04 being the last, you know, regular season title, I think basketball from a popularity standpoint has exploded and baseball hasn't. And so it's not anymore. I would say it's football and men's basketball are the two most popular and stuff like that. But it's just kind of wild that it's been so long since that's happened. Uh, it, it just mind boggling, but still unbelievable, unbelievable weekend. Yeah, it really was. And so we'll go over that. And we also have a very, very interesting interview that we got. Becky Kramer, head coach of UCF Rowing, will join us to talk about her team's third consecutive American Athletic Conference championship. They're going to the NCAAs up in New Jersey this week. Um, And, wow, what a run it has been for UCF Rowing. I think they have a shot at possibly coming down with a national championship. So uh, stick around for that interview a little bit later on in the show. By the way, as we get started here, uh, make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com. You can follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore banneret. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Uh, you can also look us up on Facebook. Just search Black and Gold Banneret. And uh, don't forget to uh, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and tune in. And oh, by the way, a quick little programming note. I uh, I was on the Nightline podcast this uh, past week as well, uh, talking about UCF baseball uh, with Andrew and Trace. So make sure you follow and subscribe to Nightline and uh, and take a look at what they've got uh, going on as well over there. Uh, great conversation with those guys about uh, UCF's run uh, through the uh, regular season and what lies ahead. 
Worst to first goes UCF baseball from dead last in the conference last year and picked tied for dead last in the preseason to regular season uh, champions. As, and it didn't look good after the uh, first uh, game on Thursday night. The, the um, Really, I, I mean, I, what we thought was like a stomach punch of a loss uh, in extra innings. Four yeah. outs away, they're up 2 nothing. They tie the game. Um, USF takes the lead in the ninth. The Knights get a, um, I think it was uh, Ryan Kryle hits the solo homer to tie it up in the ninth. And then USF breaks it open in the 11th. And you're thinking, man, that may have been, that may have been it. That may have been the, that may have been the, the clincher. But here's the thing that I thought was really the key in, uh, in these last, in, in the games on Friday and Saturday. You had two pitchers in uh, Sheridan and Williams who turned in career performances on both days. Uh, both of them tossed seven innings. Um, in the first game, uh, the 9-1 to victory um, on Friday. I'm pulling up the box score right now. Chris Williams, seven innings, three hits, no runs, struck out six, walked only one. And then Sheridan, another seven innings. Um, six hits, scattered six hits, two runs, one earned, walked one, struck out eight. I mean, those are two Those are two of the best pitching performances you could possibly ask for with so much on the line, and they got it done. I mean, how about that for those two guys? Truly remarkable to step up there. We were there. Chris, well, that's the game of his life. You're right. That was a heartbreaking loss that Thursday. You're like, oh, boy. And, uh, boy, Williams was masterful shutting him down. Sheridan, who's been tremendous, uh, you know, remember gave up three singles right off the bat in that first inning, but minimized the damage to one run, and then they responded with two runs. And then the bullpen, the UCF bullpen has been such a strength all year. And how amazing that Barr closes out the championship. How yeah. ironic and fitting for people that don't know the story from Jason, you know, for Barr is this was a kid that was cut by Terry Rooney twice, was cut twice, and. Here he is with the new staff that gives him an opportunity, and he closes it out and wins the championship. I think that says a lot about the program where, where it's been and where it's now is, and it just the differences uh, over the last year or two and how they have finished from last to first. Uh, and, and win, you know, it's interesting. I think the USF win, the series win, if you want to say the series win as well, you want to include it, but also the Saturday win. And I asked Mark Daniels, I think a pretty uh, correct – probably the best guy to ask this question mm -hmm. who's done baseball for a long time the voice of ucf is that the best win in ucf baseball history in the regular season and he and he and he tweeted back to me and he said considering the circumstances and, and who it was against there's not a better win and i can't you I mean can you i can't disagree i mean i'm gonna uh, you, you can't disagree with that right i mean it can, there is not a better win that this baseball program has ever had in the regular season that they did on Saturday, beating USF with the championship on the line. Uh, wow, that's woo, that that's is what, as good that's as what people yeah. come. That's what people come to UCF to do, right? You're a coach, and you're I'm a player, a, you're a fan. Yeah. You come yeah. to the ballpark. Yeah. That's what you want to see. Not and, a bad uh, way for Greg Lovelady too, by the way, to make his imprint. I mean, you talk about the sing, yeah. you know, we talked about signature wins. Remember how we've talked about well, Scott Frost still looking for that signature win, stuff like that. Uh, Greg Lovelady's got that in Densum. 
Love Lady, I think, it, I mean, he needs to get consideration for National Coach of the Year. There's well, he should be. The, let's, no start, let's start with the. Well, let's start for the fact he better be a coach of the year in the conference, right? Yeah. I mean, that should be no brainer. I mean, I don't know who else. I don't know who else you go with at this point. I, I, he should be the conference coach of the year. He should be. He should get consideration for national coach of the year. And I said this on Twitter earlier. Justin Parker, the yep. it, who's who's been his pitching coach, needs consideration for assistant coach of the year as well. Baseball America does an assistant coach of the year award, and Justin Parker should win that. Look at what this team has done with the pitching staff in particular. Top five in the country in ERA. I mean, that's, you know, especially considering, you know, how badly that they, that, that the pitching staff, you know, just fell apart late in the year last year. This year, UCF is sixth in the nation in earn run average, 2.89 as a team. I, I, it's a, a, an unbelievable remarkable turnaround and coach Lovelady and the players and the coaching staff around him just deserve so much credit for what they've been able to do this year. I, I mean, it's, it really shows you, I think the quality of the coach, we saw what he did at Wright state, you know, when he came and he got hired and now, and now here's where we are. I mean, he is, um, proven his medal as, uh, as a top flight coach. And you saw the way that, I mean, to be down one nothing in the series and ha- be basically have your backs against the wall, and to come back and win those two games, are, are a phenomenal coaching job. I mean, I'm I'm it's I'm having difficulty finding the the superlatives uh, to to mention on this. I mean, a, a really a stun a, a, an incredible job. Maybe, and I'm I'm sure we're gonna we'll, we're gonna do a special edition in the off season once all the sports are down. About, you know, when we'll, we'll do like a UCF coach of the year, player of the year and stuff like that, but he might have the lead. I mean, it's going to be a heck of a competition, but he, he's, what he's done has been remarkable, uh, to say the least. And I think, again, I sound like a broken record, but Danny White hit another one, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's another one. Uh, everything, everything the guy touches turns to gold. It's amazing. And uh, he really does deserve a tremendous amount of credit, Danny White. And uh, and now UCF finds themselves the one seed. In the, now, remember, it's a share of the regular season conference title with Houston. People easily forget that. Houston did does claim a share of the, um, of the, of the conference regular season championship by virtue of what they did against Cincinnati this, this past weekend. And now... Here's the situation for UCF. They play on the opening night of the conference tournament in Clearwater on CBS Sports Network, Tuesday night, 7 p.m., one seed UCF, eight seed East Carolina. You know, when the season started, Eric, I think a lot of people thought the 1-8 game would be between East Carolina and UCF, (laughs) but I don't think they thought UCF would be the one seed. No, and uh, it's funny with all, you know, it's not an easy matchup either. I mean, what's funny, and what's funny is you can make the argument that the turning point of the UCF season was that East Carolina series that they played in Greenville. Jeff, you you and I were were hanging out. We were coming out of softball. They were playing East Carolina. We were listening to Mark on the radio, and East Carolina had a big lead, and they had just gotten swept by USF, and we're like, oh, well. This ain't going to be pretty. And I remember we did the podcast that night when they came from behind. Yep, that 8-7 to seven uh, game. It was a Thursday night. Yeah, we recorded the podcast during that game. 
and, and we we talked about, and then after the game had just ended, and we did the podcast, and I'm like, whoa, that could be the difference. They ended up sweeping East Carolina, and turned the season around. If they don't come back and win that game, who knows? We're not having this conversation right now. Yep, that was on uh, April the 13th. Yeah, unbelievable. Now, with that being said, tough draw. When you could, I mean, Cliff Godwin, who's a former UCF assistant, has done a phenomenal job at East Carolina. Uh, I have a, a, a utmost respect for what he brings to the table. East Carolina has had a lot of adversity this year. Jeff Palumbo, uh, the assistant coach, field. also there. Used, Absolutely. Used to be with UCF. That, uh-huh. that, that's a tough matchup, Jeff. Tuesday night, I don't expect Robbie Howe to start that game because it would be on short rest. So, you know, it'll be interesting how they come out and play that Tuesday night. Quick turnaround after winning a championship in an emotional series against the USF. It's a very dangerous eight seed in a conference tournament that to me is just going to be bananas. <laughs> it's just going to be wild. And so, uh, that'll be the next challenge for this ball club. And that you got East Carolina as an eight and then. The four-five matchup, you know, in your bracket is USF mm-hmm. and Tulane. You might get to see Tulane uh, USF again. So a very difficult bracket and a wild bracket. I know you're excited to be there. You're going to be in Clearwater all week long covering it for the American Digital Network. We'll do yep. some special podcasts from Clearwater with uh, updates. But man, it's going to. It, it, do you not agree with me? That is not an easy draw at all. For this team, and it's going to be interesting how they can put this championship behind them and all of a sudden focus on this tournament because I do think there's a lot to still play for, Jeff, in this tournament. You're with the obvious reasons of trying to win a tournament championship, but I think if this team were to go deep in the tournament and win the tournament, I don't know if they would host, but maybe they get a pretty good region to play in. I, I, I think that could be in play. Well, like you said, I mean this this tournament is going to be. I mean, it's 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 going to be a really tough tournament to get around, um, and here's the reason why. You look at the final standings from the regular season. USF has the most overall wins with forty, UCF thirty eight, Houston thirty six, UConn thirty one. The bottom four teams. There's only one team in the conference that has a sub five hundred overall record. That's Tulane. They're twenty seven and twenty nine. Cincinnati's twenty eight wins. Memphis is the seven seed at 29 wins. East Carolina is the eight seed at 29 wins. The conference is so much more improved this year to last year. I mean, I was, you know, Memphis it's made a number run. number five conference RPI, yeah. Jeff. It's the number five conference RPI. Memphis and, and, last year as the six seed, they had to win a couple games to get to 20 wins. And they managed yeah. to do so and, almost, and got within one game of the uh of going to the championship uh where you know they lost to UConn and then UConn beat Houston on a championship Sunday. This is going to be a wild tournament. And uh and we're going to see I, I have a feeling we're going to see some crazy stuff going on between you know really all these teams. You cannot sleep on anyone in this bracket at all. UCF is in the the 1-4 bracket so it's UCF, USF, Tulane and East Carolina. And then on the other side you have Houston, UConn, Cincinnati and Memphis. It's two basically double elimination four team brackets. And then regardless of how many losses they have, the winners of those two brackets face each other for a one game winner take all championship um next Sunday, May twenty eighth. 
So that'll give you an idea of for of what they're looking at right now. But um, man, this is gonna, th- like you said, Eric. This is going to be a tough, tough um, uh, road ahead for UCF starting on Tuesday night. Oh, it is, and uh, you know, that's why I think this league. And I know you're excited about it, be involved in it. this is an incredible league in baseball. And I don't think it gets, I mean, again, let me just say that again, one more time. It's the number five ranked RPI. It's a league that I think has three locks for the NCAA tournament, maybe four. Uh, If Connecticut has a good tournament here, I think they would secure a fourth spot. And we're not even talking about teams that could maybe steal the, you know, the, the two lanes, the East Carolinas, uh, the, you know, who can get on a run and steal a bit. So, it's to me, it's a it's an incredible tournament. It's double elimination. Anything can happen. Uh, it's wild, and I'm looking forward to it. And I do think there's a lot in, in stake here. Again, for UCF, let me, uh, for example, I will read you what Kendall Rogers of D1 Baseball wrote uh, has written uh, this weekend when it comes to hosting situations. Uh, he believes that if UCF a USF or Houston were to win the tournament, they could be in play for a, a host spot. Yeah. Now, you know, in, you know, and it's kind of interesting because obviously UCF uh, is supposed to be starting to build their facilities and stuff. You know, and you're thinking, well, I mean, is he re- is that really going to be realistic to happen? Well, think about it. If UCF were to win the tournament, win the regular season and tournament championship out of the number five conference RPI. In a year where Florida State's not going to host, mm-hmm. in a year where maybe Miami misses the tournament, if they're on the bubble, could UCF slip in as a host with a Florida State or somebody coming in? Who knows? Crazier things have happened. Uh, I wouldn't say, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying I would bet on it, but you just don't know. So my whole point is, uh, I still think there's a lot to play for in this tournament championship. Now, look, I think UCF's in the tournament no matter what happens. They could go 0-2 and, and they're in. But, you know, if you win this tournament, maybe you get yourself into a conversation to host, uh, uh, you know, or, or at least give yourself a pretty good regional to win. Well, the RPI right now, the way it stands, uh, USF is actually the – there are three American teams – in the uh, in the RPI top twenty five, uh, USF is actually at the top at eighteenth overall. UCF moved from twenty seventh to twenty first this week, and Houston moved up from twenty five to twenty four. Uh, yep. So, so and, and you're still going to get quality. USF moved up a spot too. By the way, it should be noted. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, no, you're absolutely correct. Now, I, I have. Uh... I have found the Kendall Rogers quote. I'm going to quote Kendall Rogers from his story here. Though you never know what a committee will do when it convenes in Indianapolis, 15 of the 16 host sites seems very obvious right now. Outside of the teams, uh, the top teams in the sport, Arkansas has solidified its host site with a series win at Texas A&M this past weekend, while other hosts include Long Beach State and Clemson. That leaves us with one spot available for a host spot. We had Oklahoma projected in this past week, but they're coming off an 0-2 mark against Oklahoma State. As a result, Oklahoma has dropped, and other hosting options are in the table right now include UCF, Houston, Missouri State, South Florida, and Arizona. Clearly what happens in next week's conference tournament action 
will dictate which direction the committee goes for the final host. It must be noted that UCF and Houston tied for the American Conference title while Arizona sizzling hot with a home series against California up next weekend. So there you go. that's Kendall Rogers. That's the guru of college baseball. He knows it all. That's the Joe Lenardi of college baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. So if he says UCF has a shot, then I have to take you gotta take his word for it. Yeah. Well, this is gonna be a critical di- now okay, now I said something that I think a few people for some reason took as controversial on Twitter no. this week that uh that that I think bears a little uh, you know, some questions about uh what you want to think. I said you know, hey, look, I, I get that. You know, this is tremendous for UCF uh, to to win the conference tournament or to win the conference regular season. Um, and it, it, a huge step forward that should never be taken away, never be taken away. But you know, my quote was the real turn, the real win, the real championship is next week in Clearwater because. Let's face it, they don't give a at-large NCAA bid based on regular season, right? And, you know, and you could debate whether or not they do, but the fact remains that, you know, you get the auto bid by winning the tournament. And given how tough the field is, you never want to leave it in the hands of the committee, Right. You know, God forbid UCF goes 0-2, then all of a sudden you could end up as a bubble team. Yeah, I don't agree with that. I, I think they're, they're fine. I mean, they're fine. But my point was, like, you know, if you, if you put all your faith in the committee and you think, don't worry, we'll be fine, well, tell that to University of Minnesota softball team. Well, all right, you had to hit this. You had to hit a sour spot there. There you go. There you go. The soft, here's the difference. Softball has a bunch of incompetent people in the committee. I actually trust the, I respect the baseball committee uh, at the job they've done and over the years. So, uh, no, look, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying is, look, it's the automatic bid. That's the easy, secure spot. Now we could have a debate whether you know conference tournaments should have the automatic bid and how much of really the conference tournaments are made for television and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not, you know, the regular season title means a lot. And I, I don't think we should, uh, take away from that. Um, you know, but certainly you're right. There is some urgency. You don't want to, you don't want to leave a crack door open, I think is right. what your point is saying. That's all you're saying on that. Uh, I, I, I like to think that they will be fine, especially in the league where it's the number five league in the, in the sport from a standpoint. So I think they'll be fine. But, you know, you're right. Let's just go out and play and uh, win some games. Hey, there's nothing wrong with adding to the trophy case. I can tell you that. Nobody will ever turn that down. So UCF's first game of the tournament will be Tuesday night at uh, against East Carolina. It's in Clearwater. Um, uh, they play right after USF at 3. Uh, if UCF wins, they get a day off, and they play uh, on Tuesday – or, excuse me, Thursday in the uh, – against the winner of that USF-Tulane game. If they lose, they have to come back and play the following evening at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. That's if they lose. If they win, they get the day off. So that's kind of a nice incentive to get the victory. Uh, And, of course, you can follow uh, everything having to do with the American uh, Athletic Conference Baseball Championship at American underscore BSB on Twitter. Uh, and also at theamerican.org. They have their links all up and set to go for the Baseball Championship Central 
uh, which, which you'll be a part of Clearwater at Spectrum Field. Yes, I will be a part of that. I will be calling the Memphis games because our our friend Jeff Brightwell, who is is Memphis's uh, uh, baseball radio voice, he has to do those games for Memphis, and so I will be doing. Um, I will be basically taking his place uh, alongside Garrett Wolverd. Um, doing the Memphis games on the American Digital Network, which means Memphis is on the other is on the other bracket from UCF, so it's a bummer I won't be able to see um, UCF on that side of the bracket. But nonetheless, um, you know, like I said, I'm so thrilled that they asked me back to do this. I'm really looking forward to working. Second with Garrett, year doing that, Jeff. Yep. Yes, yeah, my second year doing it, and all the guys at L2 Productions and and working with the folks with the American who run the baseball tournament. They do a great job and. It's going to be in Clearwater until, what, 2021, I think? 2021, which Mike Oresco told me that. I just interviewed him for the radio show on Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, which we, we might touch on before we sign off here. But, uh, look, it's a great tournament. Give me, and, you know, let's quickly kind of show we've talked a lot about UCF in the matchup against East Carolina. I think if you look at this bracket, what kind of jumps out at you? Because you've seen pretty much every team. You've been in that environment. Uh, you, you've got a situation where Houston's the two seed. You're gonna you're gonna do that game. They're gonna play yep. Memphis. Uh, that'll be very interesting. And then you've got UConn, the three seed against Cincinnati, the six seed. Uh, you know, it, it on paper Houston and UConn will be the heavy favorites. But as you know from uh, experience, Memphis was a team that came out of nowhere and was within one game of playing for the championship yep. last year, right? So you just, that's the thing that's so unpredictable about this is you just don't know and you never know, uh, on that. And then same thing with USF and Tulane. And, uh, it's, uh, it's really fascinating and it's a new season and it's really, and you can relate, you can tell better than I can. You've been there. It's truly a neutral site from the standpoint of, uh, the fan bases, you know, you have your diehards that come out, but it's not, there's not going to be a big impact as far as, Hey, somebody has a home field advantage mm-hmm. per se. Uh, cause you see, I mean, you could say USF buses there and UCF buses there, but as we saw last year, that didn't really matter. Yeah. And I love the venue in Clearwater because it's, you know, it's, it's a fun place to get to. It's relatively easy to get to. Um, I talked to Trace Trilco. I think he said that he was going to be down later on in the week, assuming UCF, Obviously, continues to move through the tournament. Um, I, I love the entire setup. It's just it's the perfect place to to have this con- this postseason baseball tournament. Beautiful stadium. We always get a nice breeze coming off the water. Um, you know, because you're you know we're not that far from from the beach, right down sixty from Clearwater Beach. So um, this should be a fun fun week. And uh, you know, as far as this bracket's concerned, I mean, I have a really hard time determining which. Which side is the easier side? I mean, to be honest with you, because I mean, any like I said, anything can happen. When ECU, who got so close to the College World Series, is the eight seed, <laughs> um, that's you know, like we said, you know, we know, yeah, we know that they've had a tough year and and they're not as good as they were last year. But you really want to take your chances with that team in a one game situation? I know I wouldn't. So uh, I, I know that they could be, you know, if the, if the the bracket is that good at the bottom, you know, this is gonna, this is going to be a brutal brutal tournament uh, to get through, and it's and it all comes down to how you set up your pitching. You know, it's like we saw last year with UConn; they set it up perfectly, where you know they had their ace Anthony K. He went out there on uh, 
in his first game against Memphis on uh, that Wednesday and pitched a um, and pitched a, just a masterful game. And UConn had it perfectly set up so that they won. You know, they had to win two. They had to win one game on Saturday. They played twice and finally beat Memphis in the second game. And then they set it up so that Anthony Kay could pitch again on Sunday. And he again threw an amazing game against Houston, and UConn was able to um, clinch the tournament title. Um, at uh, Spectrum Field. So should be a lot of fun. I'll be there. I'll be on Twitter all about it. And, uh, again, I'm so right. eternally grateful to the folks at The American for, you know, allowing me to do that. And I'm looking forward to working with Jeff Brightwell and Garrett Wolverd and, uh, and Haley Outen will be there. And yep. um, it's going to be a blast, man. I can't wait to get down there. It's going to be fun. And, and, and for the audience, we will try the, during the week, just keep it on social media, we will try, yep. we'll do some special uh, you know, podcast from Jeff from checking in from Clearwater, uh, because he'll be there all week. <laughs> so he'll kind of give us a, a kind of an update th- throughout the week, later in the week, about how things are going in Clearwater, and we'll kind of break down how UCF's doing in Clearwater and, and other stories that might develop. So just for that yep. note, just I did when I called in from Greenville. Uh, Jeff will do that with Jeff in Clearwater, and he can kind of give us a thought of how the how the temperature is in Clearwater and how things are going. So I'm looking forward to that for you. I'm excited for you. I'm looking forward to it. I hope to uh, sneak out there later in the week. But uh, definitely I'll be watching your broadcast and all the games uh, in the meantime. Should be fun, brother. All right. Speaking of um, hardware, when we get back, we'll talk about another team for UCF that's uh, brought home some hardware. And uh, they're going to be competing for a national championship here in the next week. we got an interview with Becky Kramer, UCF Rowing's head coach, coming up in just a moment. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. You know, Nightline has UCF sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And we're back with a special Sunday edition of the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And we got our in- featured interview here. And um, we promised you this a while ago. And uh, we got it done. And I wanted to thank Mer- Megan Herboth for uh, her help with this. Of course, UCF Rowing is heading back to the NCAAs. They won their third consecutive American Athletic Conference title. Uh, and they are headed back. Um, you know, to to this uh, to the to the NCAA field, and um, she was kind enough to join me uh, earlier today to discuss uh, what's going on with with the rowing program. Preview, you know, look back at the championship and preview um, the NCAA. So, without further ado, here is our interview with Becky Kramer. And uh, joining me now is the head coach of UCF Rowing. She's been there for a while. She's won three consecutive. American Athletic Conference Championships. UCF is the New York Yankees of rowing right now in the uh, in the American. Becky Kramer joining us for the first time on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. How are you, Coach Kramer? Good, good. It's, it's glad to be here. Congratulations on three straight. Um, I mean, 
it, it really wasn't a contest out in Sarasota. All six, was it six boats? Everybody won their race. Um, were you expecting yeah. it to be, to, to be that much of a dominating performance? Um, it's, that had been our goal all year. Um, it had been in this conference, and that's what we had been working towards. Um, but in, in some of our boats, we, we had a hard schedule this spring, and so we, we were pushing and learning and getting faster, but we weren't quite sure how it was all going to come together um, on the day of conference. And the conditions were actually pretty bad. We didn't expect them to be quite as bad as they were and and so um as a coach i was a bit nervous because then it takes some of it out of your hands and then it's a little bit of um luck with once the conditions are involved in the way that they were and um but the first boat that came the 3v4 crossed and they crossed in with so much open water that at that point we started to see and then every race after that was was awesome to watch and it, it really came together on that day and the team really stepped up it was awesome this might sound like asking you you know which is your favorite kid but it was this one <laughs> was this one sweeter than the other two or what made what made this year stand out um i think what what made this year stand out is um from the very very beginning the first day of practice um uh, back in august the team you could tell they were on a mission um, they had trained hard over the summer, and they, they came back fitter and hitting the ground running, and it's as if we hadn't taken any time from our last conference championship, and they just picked up where they left off. And they have been so focused and so on it all year that it's been it was really cool to be able to see them accomplish their goal and hit you know every boat top to bottom and in such kind of dramatic fashion because they had been on it every day, all year. And it was really cool to see everything come together. People forget how big of a sport rowing is at UCF, and there is quite a tradition. Um, you know, this is the, in terms of the number of people you have on your roster, this is the largest women's sport at the school and is rivaled only by football in terms of the number of total people who compete. So exactly, so if you could tell me, well, you don't have to be exact, about how many <laughs> How many student athletes do you have on your team? Um, it, it does change as the year um, starts the year, and we um, close out the year at, at about fifty-five. Um, but one of the things that makes us a bit unique is that we hold open tryouts, right. and we actually um, through our novice program take rowers or take athletes who have never rowed before, and we also recruit out of sport. And so with that, um, the open tryouts and such, we typically start out with about between 75 and 80 in September. And then as the year progresses, um, it's, you know, some realize that you want athletics is harder than they thought, hmm. or they don't cut and it. And our numbers kind of shift. And then that's where we end typically in the spring by about 55 to 60 athletes. How many of them are on scholarship? Um, it's probably probably about forty percent of the of the whole team. Wow. Okay. Because because uh, yeah, I, I've been down to your complex down at, at Lake Pickett before. I think I think I was down there when you guys first opened it. And I mean, it is beautiful down there. First of all, I mean, if you and if you're a UCF fan and you haven't seen this place, you owe it to yourself at some point to come down and check it out. Um, especially if there's a home meet, which you guys have had a few of them. 
Um, mm-hmm. How many? <laughs> and I want to get I want to get these numbers out there so that the fans really understand what what goes what goes into this. Um, how many teams boats do you have out there competing and practicing at any particular time? Not just the six that you had out there that won the title, but mm-hmm. but how many how many basically teams do you have out there? Well, it's um, we we had um, probably about. Seven, seven or eight athletes that didn't travel with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, our travel squad was 44. And so we, we raced 42 at conference, two spares, and then, you know, a number that were home um, after that. And it's on any given day, we, um, we're, we're training um, the six conference boats, but also, you know, seven, eight, nine boats on, on top of that in terms of some of them are, you know, the eight person boats, um, some are the four and occasionally for training purposes, we'll go out in two person boats or, or singles and such. Give us an idea of the type of physical and mental commitment that it takes to be a UCF rower, because, you know, I, I still don't think that enough people appreciate how grueling the sport really is. <laughs> It's, um, I think the, the biggest thing that makes it tough is the ratio of training time to competition time. And that, um, it, it conference, you know, it, it all came down to that day and, and for each boat, they were, their races were six, six minutes to seven minutes about in that time frame, And the, um, the thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of, um, kilometers and meters they do throughout the year it's um our, our varsity squad um which is those that either we've rode before or were recruited um throughout the year they, they had done over two million meters oh um, through the year and then to have that come down to on conference you know that, that one race and obviously we do have more races throughout the season but it, it's still it's such a short period of time um for the no- amount of training that goes into it and physiologically within that period of time is, is very, very demanding on the body, but it's, yeah. How do, how do, how, if you're a rower out there, how do you, how do you mold this team into being, into peaking at the right time? Because I think that, you know, people who don't know enough about rowing will probably look at that and say, well, just sit there on the ergometer and, and (laughs) row as much as you possibly can in order to get better. But there's a lot more involved to it, isn't there? Uh, there is, there is, it's the, um, both training, like all the different systems in the body, um, getting to a point where you can go max speed when you need to, both at conference and at the NCAA championships. But it's um, you know getting to the aerobic base and then getting the strength and the speed because it's it's a balance of both. And that the boats weigh 200 pounds, and then you've got you know the oars and the rowers and the coxswain. You have to have the strength and power to get that whole unit in the boat up to speed from the starting line um and then the aerobic capacity to you know race basically a six minute sprint um but it also the the timing and the technical aspects to row together and have eight athletes in in one boat moving together in unison and that takes a lot of um a lot of practice and a lot of training and a lot of discipline and patience I've always been an admirer of the dedication of your student athletes throughout, you know, throughout the years that you've been at UCF and your coaching staff's dedication as well. Um, you're in the NCAAs once again uh, as an automatic qualifier. Um, 
the last it, it, it's I think it was what nineteenth in fifth in fifteen and then twentieth last year. Another strong field in the NCAA's yet again. Tell us a little bit about the field and what you have uh, and, and what's going to be in front of your team here with uh, come May twenty sixth through twenty eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're really looking forward to this um, in part that whereas as you had said you know in twenty fifteen we finished nineteenth and um, last year we finished twentieth. Um, last year, between conference and NCAA, we kind of ran into some, I guess, unfortunate luck. And that, you know, in between family emergencies and a car accident, and which she was okay, but unable to race. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to change up a lot of our boats. And we had to basically count on about five spares last year. And this year, um, everybody's healthy going in. Um, and everybody is like peaked in, in training and um, they were excited to come through conference, but know that, that that wasn't their maximum speed. They've got another gear and the opportunity to look at in the, um, our first state, our varsity eight is um, seated 17th and our four is I believe 18th right now. And we, in the last couple of weeks have found more speed in our second boat. And so they're seated 21st, but they, um, have really figured some things out. And so they're very excited to um, improve upon the 19th and 20th finishes we've had and would like, I mean, at least as a team looking for 16 or even top 15 to show that, um, yes, we're not a qualifier, but we also want to finish high enough in the field that it, it doesn't matter that we're automatic qualifier or not, that we would have been picked regardless of you know, based on our, our merits. And so we're, we're excited about that opportunity. And it, it's, a, it's a strong field. There were definitely some upsets um, in terms of who got bids and not. And so it, it'll be exciting. I think that we've, we've, we've raced quite a few, at, at least 10 or 12 of the teams there. So they'll, it's the opportunity to rematch and, and see how much more speed we've gained since we've seen some of these teams earlier in the season. The NCAAs are being held at Mercer Lake in West Windsor, New Jersey, which is outside of Trenton. And I've actually, uh, I've actually got some family in that area, not far away. But um, last year they were out in California. How does the difference in location factor in to your preparation to uh, for when you head up there? Um, well, one of the, the nice things about it being um, up in, in West Windsor, uh, as you said, you know, outside of Princeton, outside of Trenton, is that um, our, we have to drive our boat there. And whereas last year we had both conference and NCAAs were in California two weeks apart. So we couldn't bring our equipment all the way back to Florida and then back out to California. And so we in the period in between we're using different equipment um and kind of like our our lower or backup boats um and this year because of you know it it takes less time to drive the boats up to new jersey we are actually in our equipment and um really able to get comfortable with that and and putting down good times in that um and so we're we're excited about that and and not quite worrying as much about the jet lag or or the long flight it's you know quick two-hour flight we're up yeah, we'll be able to settle into our team pretty quickly. So we're definitely looking forward to having it on the East Coast this year. Last question for you. So let's say we're following the championships uh, up in New Jersey on uh, NCAA.com or wherever. And 
we're trying to see where UCF is. All right, so, so give us a little bit of insight. We're going to have a really good week at the NCAAs if what happens. <laughs> um, what, what we're looking for and what our goal and, and what we're aiming to accomplish is um, Friday morning we'll be at the heats. And, and typically um, the way it works, the top two teams out of those heats um, in each of the three events, we'll move on directly to the A-B semifinals. And, you know, out of the field of 22, that's the top eight go directly on. And so we're, we're sort of even having a good race. We're expecting to have to go back Friday afternoon, which is it's called the Repishas, but it's sort of like a second chance. And they mix the teams up again, and everybody races again. And um, in each rep there'll be the top two from there will go on to the ab semi and it's um if everything comes together and we have the race of our lives we are really hoping that we can have the opportunity to surprise some people and finish in the top two of either the reps or, or again possibly in the heats and get into that ab semi um which would be ultimately put us in the top 12 um which would be phenomenal um but even if, if that doesn't, then we come in the next morning, Saturday morning, and we'll be in the CD semis, which you need to finish in the top half on um, Saturday morning to be able to be in the C level finals, which is places 13 through 18. And so by so either way, if we're in the AB, we're in a phenomenal position and looking just to continue to surprise people um, and out race our seeds but if we're in the cd semi again also looking to surprise some people and finish at the top level top end of that so that we are looking to, as a team through all three boats to, to be 15 or 16 right there is our goal and that that's would really mean that we would have accomplished everything that we set out to do this year cool all right so once again the 2017 ncaa division one rowing championships on mercer lake in West Windsor, New Jersey, up in that Trenton-Princeton area. UCF comes in as an automatic qualifier, and you can follow it live on NCAA.com. They're actually going to, I think they're going to be live streaming everything on NCAA.com. So that'll be fun. We'll be yes. able to watch that live, right? Yep, yep. That'll, that'll be awesome to be able to see it happen in real time. Awesome. So this will be fun. This will be fun to watch as, uh, you know, hey, you're going for a national championship. Good luck, Coach Becky Kramer. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you so much for uh, taking some time for us here on the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Best of luck and safe travels up to New Jersey, and uh, we'll be pulling for you. All right. Thank you. All right. And thanks to Becky Kramer and thanks to Megan Herboth for actually setting this up and getting this done for us. And it was a really insightful interview, Eric. You know, uh, one little note that Megan wanted me to pass along. This uh, it, the NCAA's are being held, um, like we said, at uh, you know up in New Jersey, um, just outside of uh, on, on uh, Mercer Lake, which is over by like Trenton and Princeton, and that is where the American Athletic Conference Rowing Championships were held in 2015, which was the first of the three-year run uh-huh. that UCF was on. Right, so a little bit of familiar territory for UCF, competing against the nation's best. And uh, wow, man! I mean, it, it, this is starting to um, shape up really, uh, really interestingly for UCF, considering that you know, and Becky told us in the interview, you know, kind of the the bad luck that they had leading up into to last year's tournament. Everybody's healthy this time around, um, and they're hungry, 
and this should be a, this should be fun. I'm excited to see what UCF rowing is going to do up in uh, up in Princeton. No question about it. Uh, always good to know the course, right? I mean, that, yeah, that's always a key. And uh, boy, what a job though uh, to win it again, put themselves in this position, give themselves this opportunity. I mean, what uh, she's done a heck of a job. Uh, again, it's really uh, three straight, three straight. Probably it ain't easy, and did so in dominant fashion, man. They won all, all yeah. of every event in Sarasota. Probably what the most dominant coach in the American Athletic Conference, right? Of all the UCF coaches, he's probably dominated the American Athletic Conference the most uh, to this point. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't think it's anybody. I mean, what other sport? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, just does a great job there, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that situation. Hope they're the best for them. And uh, but yeah, another another ring for them. Uh, pretty remarkable. Really, I mean, is it safe to say we're are we a rowing power, Jeff? Is that a is that a a fair comment? Certainly right in now? the American, yeah. Certainly yeah. in the American, and, I th- and I'd love to see. You know, I, I got a good feeling about what's coming up when they when they um, when they actually um, get going on May twenty sixth through twenty eighth. And by the way, they'll be live streaming all of that on NCAA.com. So, um, you know, Thursday or excuse me, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, up in Mercer Lake in New Jersey. Make sure you head up to NCAA.com. And uh, and keep an eye on that, and uh, and watch the Knights as they roll through in the NCAA. So, uh, congrats once again, and special thanks to Coach Kramer, and uh, and best of luck as they head up to uh, New Jersey. All right, Elo, uh, what, I know this is our special edition. We're going to wrap it up here. By the way, folks, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon. Follow Eric at Eric Lopez Elo. Follow the Banneret on Facebook. Spokes underscore Murphy, Brian Murphy, our baseball writer, all the stuff that he's got up there. He's got a great recap of the uh, Knights championship clinching uh, series against USF from earlier this week. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and tune in. Elo, what do you got coming up this week? Well, I'll be uh, doing my regular job radio, uh, producing at the, the station, and uh, we'll be watching your baseball coverage. Now, I do want to make a note. If you go to Eric Lopez Elo on Twitter, uh, I have put up the interview that I was a part of this past weekend on the Sports Talk Florida Insider Show that mm-hmm. airs Saturdays on 1080 The Team with Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. Uh, we had a 24-minute interview with him. Uh, very open guy. Jeff, uh, in fact, you might see him in Clearwater, actually. I think he's headed out there. Fantastic. Very open, very honest. I recommend people tune into the interview. Uh, you know, Jeff, I know you, uh, have been busy, but, uh, you've, you've had a, a chance to check it out. And, uh, but fascinating. We talked about the initiative of being a Power Six conference, talked about the future of television with the TV deal, uh, with the situation going on at ESPN with the layoffs. Could you see more online streaming in the future being a bigger part of the package? Talking about uh, the football program, I asked him about the use to what his thoughts are on about the UCF USF game on Thanksgiving weekend. If that's a permanent thing or not, he shared his thoughts on that. And he, we also talked about the bowl alignment, and he was very honest, Jeff. That was what, you know my takeaway. He was a, a, a admitted that you know what we do need to get into better bowl games. We that we got to work on that. Uh, which I, I, and that's what I appreciate about Mike Oresco. He's very honest. He does not hold back. And, uh, I thought that was a, a very, uh, very uh, fantastic interview. Happy that he has got an extension 
for the American Athletic Conference. And I think he's done a phenomenal job in the short time with this conference. And as I said in the radio, on the radio show, uh, to me, the American Athletic Conference has proven, Jeff, to be among the best conferences in the league. Forget this Power Five initiative stuff. When you look at what happened in the NFL draft, where the American Athletic Conference had more players drafted than the Big 12, you had Houston beat Oklahoma last year in the regular season. You go back to when UCF beat Baylor mm-hmm. in the Fiesta Bowl. If you take away the tradition, the history, right? Cause the Big 12 is all about Oklahoma and their past TV deals. And I understand that's the big thing. I can make the argument right now that the American Athletic Conference top to bottom, if you take away the revenue, TV has nothing to do with that. If you take, I think the American Athletic Conference is as good, if not a better overall league right now than the Big 12. I, I, I think that that's absolutely right. And I think that that's what Mike Oresco has looked at. He said, okay, what's, what's the lowest one on the totem pole for each of these, you know, you know, for each of the Power Five conferences, and we're going to try and beat them at their own game. And I think it's happening in football. I mean, I think that the talent is certainly there. Um, we're seeing that we're we're seeing the conference really peak right now. I think basketball is resurging itself. You know, it used to be just UConn. You know, now we're starting to see a lot more competition. Well, and they've and added Wichita basketball. State, which we'll obviously Wichita State is a, Big help. And, you know, and I say in football, adding Navy was a huge help, you know, considering how good that they've been under Ken Niamatololo. Um, Mike Oresco has played his hand perfectly. He hasn't always had, like, he hasn't always come in with four aces, right? He didn't always play in a full house. But, man, the hands he's been playing have been perfectly handled. Yeah, I agree. And he, he even acknowledged the fact that when he first took over the American Athletic Conference, I asked him, what was his biggest surprise so far being in charge? And he was surprised at how good the football would be this quickly. I think he, and he said, I think that they're actually ahead of schedule where they thought he would be right now as a league. So, uh, and, and, and he made some interesting comments about that. And, and he likes the markets that they're in and, and so forth. So, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited. And, and, and I made this comment on the air and I know it sounds like I'm a homer, but I think Jeff, in five to ten years, I think the American Athletic Conference will still be around. The Big Twelve, I don't think will be. Interesting. Yeah, you, we've seen how this, how these sorts of things can happen, and I would not be surprised if you're right about that. And um, it really is a great interview that you did with uh, Commissioner Oresco. And yeah, me we're going to link to it in the show notes. Yep. And yep. Uh, it's it really is good to sort of you know. When you really sink your teeth into a good interview, I think it's great. We're going to put a link to it in the show notes. It's yep. going to be really worth listening to. So, Definitely. Cool stuff, man. All right, Elo. So I'm going to be heading out to Clearwater. Right. You're going to be hanging out here. We're going to, we're going to arrange. We got, oh, we got another interview coming tomorrow. Uh, we got a special uh, little uh, bonus interview. Bryce Waller, the men's golf coach, uh, is going to be joining us, and I'll be making sure that we get that up there as well. So be on the lookout for that. And that's going to do it, man. Anything else you got going on? No, oh, hey, wish the, wish you the best of luck in Clearwater. Wish the baseball team best of luck in Clearwater. Yes. Again, a reminder to the audience, we will have a podcast at some point. Jeff will check in from Clearwater. We understand because, Jeff, it's a big week. I mean, you got the conference baseball tournament going on. You mentioned the rowing championships. You got you mentioned the men's golf championships. Plus, we should we will hear officially at the end of this, at some point this week, 
Taco Fall's intentions, whether he will come back or go to the NBA draft. Yeah, Outside May 24th of that, fourth is the deadline. Yeah. So we got to we'll, we'll, we will still stay on top of all that uh, this week while you're in checking in from Clearwater. So it's going to be a, a, a wild, crazy, fun uh, week to uh, of, of a lot of anticipation. Good stuff. And yes, I will be at the American. Uh, make sure you follow. You take a look at the American Digital Network for that uh, at theamerican.org. Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be doing the Memphis games. You know, tell me how I'm doing. So, uh, I always appreciate you see folks, uh, you know, listening in and uh, taking advantage of that. And by the way, you might want to scout scout it out. You know, just in case, see what happens on the other side of the bracket uh, from UCF. And make sure you follow UCF's action at theamerican.org as well. You can follow everything that goes on with the tournament uh, at the turn at the baseball tournament uh, central. Uh, as the Knights make the trip to Clearwater. All right, Elo, thanks again, brother. I'll be talking to you during the week from Clearwater. Sounds good, bud. And thanks to you for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast special Sunday edition. We will catch you during the week uh, from Clearwater. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.